0: Our text this morning is not a, a typical text that you would think of when thinking of Christmas and, and thinking of Advent. There are no shepherds in this text. There, there are no angels. Uh, Mary and Joseph are, are nowhere to be found. We don't have some guys carrying gifts on camels making their way to uh, a manger, making their way down. But, but Jesus is there. As we focus on the gift of Jesus and what that means for us today, I pray that God would would comfort you in his love and his grace and his mercy. That he would open the eyes of our hearts to see and understand all that he has for us this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. We read the word of the Lord. For since the law was but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities... Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Ascend is the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word today, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. Is in your name amen so I, I don't know about you guys but for me it's it's a little hard to believe that Christmas is only a few days away like it's not far uh, some of us have probably already begun a lot of our Christmas like celebrations a lot of the, the traditions and stuff it, it, it always seems like it always seems like it's like a far like it's, it's so far away especially like as a kid it's like ah, it's never gonna get here and then bam it's like it's right there. And I, I have all of the presents that I, I haven't picked up yet that I was supposed to, but it's, it, it's, it ends up being a mess most of the time. But it, it comes so fast. And it seems like at the end we're just trying to jam all of the things that we want to do into just a few days. We've got to get all the cookies baked. You know, we've got to go and see this. We've got to go do that. We have all these things. Oh, no, it came up too fast. And now we're just like trying to jam everything like all together so we can get in all the things that we want to do in, in the holidays that... It, it can feel sometimes that we don't have time for all the Christ- Christmas traditions that we love. Do you have, have any Christmas traditions at your house? Do you have things that you do during, during the holidays that you just, that you just loved? We've, we've picked up a few over at our house over the years, but my favorite tradition, if, I mean, if it can be called that, because I'm sure most people do it, but I, I love like Sitting down on the couch in the morning on Christmas morning, because we, we we open our presents in the morning on Christmas Day, as opposed to uh, on Christmas Eve, which I found is is something that's fairly popular around here. But when I was growing up, it was always Christmas morning, so I love like sitting on the couch on, on Christmas morning. I, I go down before the kids, Karen, and I go downstairs, and that's like you kind of yell up the up the stairs, and all right, you can come on, like all just pitter patter of the feet like running down and like seeing the presents for the first time because. We can't, like, put the presents out days before or, you know, oh, I accidentally, like, threw a ball into it and I had to open it. Like that. Yeah. So we, we put them all under the tree on Christmas Eve after the kids go to bed. And so they come down the first time. That's when they get to see the presents and just, like, the look on their eyes and the, the, the joy. and It's just awesome. I love just sitting there and watching them do that. And part of that is because I love to give gifts. I, I love to give gifts. and And when you give gifts, you know, Part of what you're doing is you're trying to get something that the other person is going to want. Like that's, that's a big part of, of, of giving gifts. It's also like it's part of the challenge. Am I going to be able to outthink the person I'm giving this gift to? Will I be able to, to guess what they want? Maybe they don't even realize that they want it or maybe even like need it. So I can surprise them with something that they'll like, something that will suit them, something that will please them, but it's still going to be a surprise. You know, we, we get like Christmas lists. I, I kind of like to look at the list and then deduce from that maybe what, what they might want because it doesn't seem as fun like just buying a thing off the list. I like the, the challenge, the thrill, the surprise of trying to find something, trying to surprise the person that I'm giving a gift to. I've been, I've been teasing my boys about their gifts this year. You see, because I've, I've got to watch my Seahawks on Sundays, we've had cable for the first time in, like, their lives. Uh, previous to this, we've, we've pretty much just watched Netflix or movies that we own. And so with this introduction to children's programming, they've also been introduced to commercials. And I kind of forgot, like, how much programming, particularly, like, Nickelodeon and, like, Disney Channel and those things, how, how much that pro like, those commercials, they focus on toys for kids, I, I mean, I remember it when I was a kid, like watching Rescue Rangers and Tailspin, and like seeing the guys play with GI Joes, and be like, "Yeah, I want that." I kind of thought that that just died off, like that wasn't a thing anymore, and I was real wrong. Like it's everywhere on, on, on those channels, and it's it's, it's been kind of fun to like watch my boys. Ah, I one of the toy that has caught my eye, much to my my boys' chagrin, are hair dorables. And I've been teasing my little men somewhat relentlessly that they'll all be receiving Hair Dorables for Christmas this year. And so I like, well, you want to watch the commercials? All, I mean, if you want to watch television, the commercials are going to come on. It's just going to remind me that Hair Dorables are, are on the way, that they're on the list, and that you're like real excited about this. Like, this is something that you really want. If any of my kids were to open a Hair Dorable doll on Christmas morning, They would be devastated. (laughs) Like, it got to the point where there was like, Dad, you can't tease us about that anymore. I'm having dreams that you're giving me a hair adorable for Christmas, and it's freaking me out. Like, come on. Like, I can't even tease you anymore about this. You actually think this is what I'm going to get you. Maybe I. there's a part of me that really wants to. Like, I at least have (laughs) one in there. So they open it up, and it's just like, No, this is the worst. They would be devastated. Have you ever gotten a gift that you didn't want? Have you ever gotten a gift you didn't want? A gift you didn't like? A gift you wanted to return? Well, we may be thinking of that question as it pertains to Christmas, you know, birthdays and and boxes that have been wrapped up or, or put in a bag with some paper on it. The question goes a little bit deeper than that. At seminary, my... Systematics professor Dr. Bo had a saying everything is gift. So when he assigned a fifteen page paper, that was gift. And and when he decided that instead of five quizzes that semester we would only have four, that was also gift. It stretched beyond school, obviously, to encompass everything in life. Did your car break down on the highway? Consider it gift. Did a storm roll through and cause your power company to spend more money on uh, fixing the power lines, and then they so generously passed those added costs on to you by raising your power rates? Consider it gift. Did you receive a raise at work? Consider it gift. Whether it is a task laid before us, an affliction that has set upon us a relief that we have experienced or a blessing that we have felt everything is gift and when we look at it like that we realize that man there are a lot of gifts that we would have preferred not to have been given I would way rather have not had that thank you very much and like my children calling out in frustration and anger at their father dead we didn't want hair dorables Like, that's not what we wanted. How often do we call out to God, God, I didn't want my friend to move away. I didn't want to lose my job. I didn't want my child to get sick. Which inevitably seems to beg the question, why would you give this to me? Why would you give this to me? That question is too big for me to answer. And it's not for me to answer. The answer to that question is it's between you and God. But I can give you some insight, provide some context for the answer to that question. The first is that it's a gift. And you do not earn a gift. Whatever trial you are going through, it is not because God is smiting you. It's not something you earned, for it has been given to you. You don't get to take credit for the struggles that come your way, just as you don't get to take credit for the blessings that you are given. It is a gift. Can we all just like sit in that for a moment? Rest in that? You don't get to take credit for the struggles that come your way, just as you don't get to take credit for the blessings that you are given. It is all gifts. And God is not the postal service. He doesn't drop the gift off, you know, ring the doorbell so that you can make sure that that we recognize that it's waiting for us. I love it when that happens at nap time. Like, that's my favorite, when when they drop off the present and ding dong, and then... I get two gifts that particular day the one on my doorstep and the one crying upstairs in, uh, in his bed. But they're not UPS. They're not FedEx. They're not the U.S. Postal Service. And we, we see this in Matthew 8, where, where the disciples are, are out in the boat. And I know I've, I've told this story about, uh, a bunch, but I just love the story when they're out on the boat and, and there's the massive storm, and Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. And, and the storm's just going crazy and it's all over the place. And the disciples are freaking out They're like, we're going to die. We've got Jesus in the back of the boat. What is he doing sleeping back here? We're, we're freaking out. Everything's going wrong. We're all going to die. We need to wake this guy up. And so they wake him up. And Jesus is like, what's going on? They're like, can't you see we're going to die? Why are you sleeping? How can you be doing this? And Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. Don't you recognize who I am? And then, and then he calms the storm. And the disciples are like, oh, my word, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. That's who we've got with us through the storm. That's who we've got with us in the boat. It may feel like he's sleeping back there. And we may desire to see that as a negative, but it's not. He is with us in the storm. He does not leave us. He does not drop off a volatile gift, say, here, catch the grenade, have fun, I'm out. he doesn't leave us to walk that path alone or clean up that mess on our own. Romans 8, uh, 26 to 28, has been such a blessing to me as I've been embroiled in my own personal storm as of late. It reads this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God knows what we need. And he knows that we can't even express it to him sometimes in our need. And all things work together for good for those who love the Lord, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now that passage can be abused. And and it has been abused. To make it seem like we'll get what we want if we love God. That's how we kind of want to interpret that passage. But that's not what the passage is saying. It's saying that whatever struggle you are going through right now, whatever blessing you are experiencing all of it is being used for God's glory. It's being used for God's glory. Nothing happens to you by accident, but that is a gift from God, and all of that is for his glory. It all is used for his purposes. It is all used by God to bring about his kingdom. And yet, even though we know that, man, it can be hard when we get gifts that we don't want. Remember, man, I was I was probably about eight or nine. I think it was about nine, and uh, we had done the whole. You know, I, I came down the stairs, and my parents were the ones on the couch, and I was like super excited because underneath the tree was this big gift, and it had my name on it, and it was a bigger gift than I had like gotten in like ever, and I was super ecstatic about getting this this particular gift. And I saved it to the end because I was like, that's how I do it, you know, I, I eat all the things I don't like first and then I get to enjoy like the pudding or whatever it may be afterwards I'm, I'm excited about. So the vegetables get either thrown out or eaten first and then I eat all the stuff that I like. Like that's just kind of how I do things. So I save, delayed gratification I believe they call it, but I, I saved this this package until the end. And I opened it up and it was like my my heart just fell out because my mother had given me a set of blankets. It was, it was blankets and sheets. And it was like, are you kidding me? Like this is what I get for Christmas? I get blankets and sheets. I mean, that's, that's wonderful for like a Tuesday, Mom. But we're, we're like, this is Christmas. Like I'm, I'm supposed to be excited about this. I was so not happy. I mean, you try to put on a good face because it's Christmas and you don't want to, like, destroy your mother. Hopefully she's not listening to this right now, though we've kind of had this conversation before a little bit. But I, I was not excited about getting a bedspread for Christmas. And this was my, like, big gift. Like, Mom was super thrilled to give me this gift. And I was like, what? I didn't even know what it was at first. I was like, where's the toy? Like, how do I turn it on? And then, no, no, Daniel, it's blankets. And it's going to be really comfortable. You What? We we did this thing at our house where we would we had like I mean this is dating me a little bit, but we had like the Sears catalog. I guess now you'd have like your Amazon wish lists probably is is how that would happen. But we had the Sears catalog that would come to our house probably around like early December and and all the kids we'd get around and we'd write our names on the things that we wanted. And it was mom and dad's way of kind of getting an idea as to the things that we wanted. And so you'd go through, and I mean, if there was like Nintendo, or and G.I. Joes, or Legos, or something like that, line, my name was like written all over those things. And you always knew where the hot tub page was because all of the kids' names were written on like the hot tub. Even those that couldn't write their own names, we made sure that they got on there. So the mom and dad knew this would be a great idea. Like if you really wanted to surprise us this year, hot tub, that's the way to go. My name was never written on blankets and sheets. Like that was, it was never there. If I had been thinking ahead or had had any idea, I would have just taken that paper out of this year's catalog and put that somewhere where we could forget about it forever. My name was never written on, on blankets and sheets. You know, nine-year-old me was so disappointed with that gift. and I, I tried to put on a brave face. I tried, but I would. I mean, mom. Mom knew. I mean, she could look at me. She just knew that I would have rather had, you know, the new Transformer or the GI Joe, a Nintendo or that Lego set. And despite all of that, I mean, she knew before she gave the gift that that's what I would rather have. But despite all of that, she still gave me blankets and sheets. As we turn our focus towards Christ. We see Christ in this passage as we look at his birth and his life and the response to his teaching, to his message, it is clear that Jesus, that little baby in the manger, was not the gift that people wanted. People were expecting a conqueror. They were expecting a a political ruler who would free them from the Romans, establish a, a Jewish kingdom again, and fulfill the promises as they understood them that were made in the Old Testament. This is what they wanted. This is the gift that they were looking for. This is the king that was supposed to be coming. This is what was supposed to be wrapped up and put underneath the tree. This was supposed to be their present, their gift from God. The years of suffering and slavery and living without a homeland, that would all be made okay. It would all be justified once their ruler came and their kingdom was established. This is what they wanted, this is what they expected. And that is not at all what they got. Not according to their expectations, anyway. They didn't understand that, that Jesus, even though he wasn't the king they wanted, that he was the king that they needed. He was the king they needed. Because they had been living under a placeholder. To make up for their sins, for the wrongs they had committed, they would sacrifice animals. The type of animal that would depend on your income level. It could be a sheep, it could be a dove, it could be a goat, it could be a lamb, but they had to be spotless. They had to be worth something. And you take this animal to the temple and, and you give it to the priest and the priest would sacrifice it to appease God for the wrong that you had done. This was what society, like this is, this is what they operated under. This is how they worked. This is how they dealt with sin. But that system was never intended to be the final system. It was not intended to be the final answer for sin in the world. Our passage this morning talks about that. Our passage says that the sacrifices these animals, that, these animals that were sacrificed year after year, they cannot fulfill the law. They can't make the person perfect. For if that were the case, if they could make a person cleansed of sin, then they wouldn't have to keep sacrificing them. It would be a one-time thing. And not something that is repeated over and over and over again. Verse 4 just stuck in my brain as I digested it. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The animals couldn't do it. And our text continues. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. He's talking to God. But a body have you prepared for me in burnt offering and sin offerings You have taken no pleasure. So then I said to Jesus, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Jesus recognizes that the sin offerings of the sheep and the goats and the bulls and the doves, they're not doing the trick. And then he says, I have come to do your will, O God. And now we know what that will was and is. Though he was despised and rejected, the gift that nobody wanted, Jesus was the gift that everyone needed. Not just the Jews, but the entire world, all of us. For Jesus lived the perfect life that we could not. He faced every form of temptation. He was confronted with every type of sin, and yet he stayed pure. He stayed sinless. He stayed perfect. And as was the will of the Father... He took the burden of all the sin of all the world to the cross, and there he paid the price for it by dying on that cursed tree. And three days later, he rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. And unlike the animals, unlike the goat and the dove and the sheep and the bull, this sacrifice was one time for all time. Through faith in this sacrifice, we joined with Jesus in his death and in his resurrection we have put on Christ through faith. And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see us in our sin. Instead, he sees Jesus. As I think of Jesus, that, that little baby lying in the manger, the gift that nobody wanted, I'm reminded of that blanket set that my mother gave me. Though it was absolutely not something that I wanted that blanket became something very dear to me. It was the comfiest blanket I ever owned. It kept me warm in the cold Canadian nights. It sponged my tears of anger and pain. It comforted me in times of loss and heartbreak. And that blanket was with me for years. It became a bit of a, a treasured possession for me. It was it was our blanket when Karen and I first got married. I was still using that thing. The gift that I despised became the best gift I had been given. And so it is with Jesus. This little baby in the manger. Only he could satisfy the demands of our sin. Only he could be the sacrifice that set things right with the Father. And so he came, and he lived, and he died, and he rose again. And through faith in him, we have been reconciled to God. What a gift. What a treasure. What a present for us. As we leave here today and and go about our day, as we prepare for Christmas, as maybe we get in some last-minute shopping, as we spend time with family and friends and devour our cookies and food Let us rest in the gift that we have been given. Let us take joy in knowing that the price has been paid. Let us praise our God together forever for the wonderful gift of Jesus. Amen.